MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll get into the conversation right after these quick ads. All raindrops. We have a doozy today. Look, The Kardashians is one of my favorite reality shows. And now that the season finale has aired... I want to recap the entire season, but I want to dissect this season in a way that I haven't done on the other shows we recap on Reality with the King. But I could not do this episode alone. I am joined by MJ, who is a therapist, a writer in New York City, and she's also a Kardashian connoisseur. She has a social media page that's dedicated to all things Kardashian, and honey, she knows more about the Kardashians than Ray J. So welcome, MJ, to the <laughs> podcast. Thank you. That was a great intro. So let's get right into it, MJ. I, like you, am a huge Kardashian fan. I just, I, I love the show. Now that they're on Hulu, they have two seasons that has aired so far. Season two just wrapped recently. And I want to talk about whether or not we think it's time for the Kardashians to hang it up. Based on the fact that we all fell in love with the show when they were on E! for, oh my gosh, I think 14 seasons or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And now that they're on Hulu, I feel like as much as I love all the girls, the show is not the same anymore. But let me get your thoughts on it. Do you think... The Kardashians on Hulu is a good show. Great question. And one of the most interesting things about my work and and my account is that I get to see the different discourse about the show. So I'm seeing different factions of people saying, well, most people are saying it's boring. A lot of people are feeling like it's boring. Um, For my purposes, because what I kind of do is I examine the Kardashians using postmodern philosophy and media theory. So for my purposes, there's been a lot of like rich material because it's a very meta show. It's a very self-referential show. And it's really, to me, a reality show about a reality show, which is kind of the essence of postmodernism. So for me, it's been giving me good stuff. For a lot of people, I think it's been boring. And it's because it's so curated, it's so polished, and it doesn't quite have that sisterly charm that it did throughout its its uh, trajectory on, on E! for sure. Yeah, and listen, I am considered the king of reality television, not just because I know all things Housewives, 
<laughs> but because I know all things reality television. And I got to be honest with you, MJ, we fell in love with the Kardashians on E! because of the access of their personal lives. Yeah. We were able to see Kimberly Noel Kardashian call Reggie Bush on speaker and say, you're right. fucking whores. You're cheating on me. And we were like, girl, are you really doing this on camera? Like, what's going on? We saw Courtney deal with a drunk Scott Disick. We saw Courtney tell Scott, I love my son more than you, right? We saw Chloe get married within 30 days of meeting Lamar Odom, and they had a spinoff. We were able to see Bruce Jenner transition into Caitlyn. We were able to see these very deep, rich stories. And as somebody who loves the girls, as I'm watching the Kardashians on Hulu, to me, it's like one big fucking commercial. Yes. And as much as we were able to see products and the business and the brands boom when it was on E!, I got to be honest, I'm not as invested anymore because, yes, it's cute to see you guys get dressed up to go to the Met Gala. It's nice to see, you know... Look, I'm going to lie, it ain't nice. But the thing... <laughs> <laughs> Understandably, it's not relatable. And and what you just listed, that was a great walk through the archive of some greatest hits from the Kardashians during their, like, rise to media dominance. But now they're here. They have dominated. And I agree. I think that the structure of the show was always, like, a home movie's and commercialized, like, hybrid, but it's all commercial now. It's impossible to um, get lost in a, in, a, in a sense of reality. And the appeal of reality TV, I think, is noticing those moments when something feels really, really real, even though it's coming through a screen. Like, once something gets mediated through a screen, it loses some piece of reality. It's become constructed. But, but those sound bites of... Courtney telling Scott that about her feelings about her son and those those nitty-gritty psychological family dynamics were the secret sauce, I think, of the show. And the wit and the charm and the and the jokes, um, the really memeable moments. But what can we meme about what we're seeing now? Kim putting on the Marilyn dress and saying she's not sure if she's gonna fit into it. So it's true. There's not much for our humanity to like latch onto in what we're seeing now. And I also think. They don't even have, besides Chloe, Chloe's like, I told someone recently in an interview, like the golden goose of the show, because the Tristan drama is, I think, unmistakably real. We don't know how much yes. it's being shaped, you know, but but that's kind of all they have to offer us. Kim's stuff is, has to kind of stay behind the scenes and, and controlled and curated. Kylie's stuff is too real. Astroworld is too real. It doesn't get any more real than mass death. And so... Chloe has the good, juicy, classic, I got cheated on and people can kind of relate to this and judge it and whatever their things are about it. But I don't know if they have interpersonal drama to even deliver to us anymore. Like, they are running a tight ship. I think they smooth out their stuff and they can't even deliver us as old fights of, like, Kim's makeup on the wall when Courtney like, swings at her. Like, like, I think that they are too elite now to get caught up in that stuff. Therefore, they can't give it to us. Yeah, so my question for you is this. Knowing that we all fell in love with the girls based on what they brought us, I got a feeling that possibly the folks over at Hulu who shelled out millions and millions of dollars to retain the global brand of the show 
may not be receiving the ratings they thought they were going to receive. And I'm asking that question based on a recent tweet that Kimberly Noel Kardashian tweeted on November 24th, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was the day the season two finale aired. She tweeted, what do you guys want to see for season three of the Kardashians? Do you guys like family stuff, work stuff, kid stuff, behind the scenes of shoots, family pranks, question mark. And Kim got read for filth because everyone responded to say, no, bitch, we want to see what happened with you and Pete Davidson. What's going on with you and Kanye West? We want to, we haven't seen Scott Disick. If I see one more tongue makeout session between Courtney and, Tra- and Travis, like, seriously, I'm over it. We want to see... Listen, I would have liked to see a little bit of the Astroworld drama in terms of how Kylie was dealing with it. We haven't seen any of those things, MJ. So when Kim tweeted that, as a producer, it made me think, I don't know if the show is getting the reception they thought they were. So what do you think that tweet was about? My take on that tweet is and I and I am curious too and and Disney doesn't release their views or their their data so they did try to hype the show with season 1 by saying season 1 of the Kardashians was in the premiere episode record breaking globally so they they tell us that but we can't verify it with season 2 and then Kim tweeting this yeah I don't know how to speculate about how the show is doing but I do think when Kim treats her audience like a focus group it's a way to make us feel like empowered viewers. And she's done this in the past. I have to go track down the interview. But there was some interview during her climb to dominance. It was like, I think in like the mid aughts, like maybe like a 2010, maybe potentially up to 2016, somewhere between that timeline. She said something like, I love being a social media star because I can reach my audience directly and get their thoughts and their ideas and their takes. Um, Someone in one of my comments said something like she did the same thing after the kimono drama. She asked people what she should rename the brand when she had to take down the kimono name and apparently someone said skims and it got a lot of or skim or something and it got a lot of likes so, so there were fan theories that that fan named skims i think the name of the kardashian game or any like true media icons game will have to be especially as media technology brings us closer to the things we're watching like social media makes us feel really close to in reality tv whatever's entertaining us they need to make us feel like we're interacting with them. So I think it's at least a, a strategy to pull the viewers in, especially since there must be a sense that they're losing people. Um, and I really kind of suspect that season three is already being shot anyway. And the things she listed are probably already going to be in, are already on in the queue, the work and the pranks, you know what yes. I mean? Yes. Oh, 100% because she tweeted behind the scenes shoots, family pranks, um, kid stuff. And I want to say, no, bitch, we want to see the drama. We, we want <laughs> totally. to see what, we, what, we're, what we're reading on People Magazine, the Shade Room, the Jasmine brand. Like, that's the stuff we want to see. And mm-hmm. I listen, I, I agree with you. Kim is our mastermind at, at tweeting to her focus group. I thought it was very interesting that she omitted drama, that she omitted yes. real life stuff. Like, I, I, I think... For her and the family, that stuff may be off limits, which is why, and again, this is my opinion as someone who loves the show and loves the, the family. 
when they announced they were leaving E, I thought to myself, that's a very good choice because the past couple of seasons on E wasn't great. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Um, and it wasn't great because they're so famous that they now actually care about how their real life stuff is going to affect their business, which I respected in the sense of, I'd rather you leave the show on a, on a somewhat high, knowing that we've given you guys 14 seasons of our lives and we, 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 we gave you everything. And at some point you grow up, you have children and you make the choice to say, do I want to do this anymore? Which is why I always respect the Courtney for being honest about, I don't like this shit anymore. Because let's be clear, Courtney Kardashian and Scott Disick carried the mm-hmm. majority of yep. keeping up the Kardashians with their drama. So I always felt like Courtney had every right to say, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And I thought they were going to leave. So when it was released in the press that they got the deal with Hulu, I remember thinking to myself, is this just a money grab? Or is this something to where they're going to show us something different? And as I watch season one and season two, they are showing us something different. I'm just not sure that we like it. Totally. I agree with you that the timing of ending with E and they like they didn't let us know that there's a plan for a, a return um, was it felt like they were even though people you know they're so divisive so a lot of people were ready for them to be off the air in a way it was like they were leaving without overstaying their welcome kind of thing like there was a whole you know there's a whole social shift happening during the pandemic and it seemed like they kind of knew when to bow out so to come back it was sort of like the Kardashians have no intention of ever ceasing in their visibility. And that's the name of Kim's game is visibility at whatever cost. And the scandals still benefit Kim because it's her name just in front of us. My theory with the Hulu show is this five-year contract. It's an interesting number. It's like an interesting chunk of time. It's just enough time to watch a group of people transition into new roles. So I feel like we're never going to see too much gnarly Kim drama at this point because I, you know, all the discourse that we see online of, is she going to run for president? Is she going to move? What is she going to do with this law degree when she gets it? Like the transcendence of Kim Kardashian, as we know her, is on its way in some capacity. And I think Chloe's going to shift into this lebutant status that Kim had for so long. And we're seeing shifting roles. So I think by the end of five years, the five-year run of this show, we're going to realize that the show was a vehicle for those changes. And I don't know if we're ever going to see anything too raw from Kim because of whatever she's got her eye on for the big picture. And what do you think that big picture is for Kim? Um, I am not going to like definitively predict she's going to run for president, but I think it's really, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really interesting that that's finally kind of becoming more of a discourse. Um, There's a lot of reasons to think that politics are going to at least be a domain she's adjacent to, because I think she's trying to become at the least a multi-genre icon where she covers politics and philanthropy and fashion, high fashion, but still still like mall-friendly accessible fashion as well. I think Kanye used to talk a lot in terms of, I am a brand, I'm like Apple, I'm like Nike. And I think 
he laid a blueprint that Kim will eventually actualize. I think Kim will almost be up with like the Nike and the Apple and like the household name, global name um, of a certain kind of corporate icon. So I don't know if it'll be political, but I do think that it's really interesting that she's had increasing adjacency to the political establishment. It's going to just be something very conceptual, very big, very corporate. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, look, Kim, I love you. I do not want you running for president, girl. I think, <laughs> listen, I want you to run for president of the Bad Bitch Committee, but <laughs> to run for president of the United States of America, no thank you, babe. Do not want to see it. No thanks. Ooh, I hate to interrupt, but stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after these quick ads. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into the show. As we sort of wrap up season two of The Kardashians, what were your favorite moments from this past season? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. MJ, you got to think about it, girl. That means it was... Because <laughs> <laughs> for me, the best parts are the most meta parts that I can really sink my teeth into and like apply philosophy to, which sounds so pretentious and I don't mean it that way. I just, I think if I wasn't watching it with the lens of um, like media analysis, I probably would have been bored too. So I'm trying to think of, I thought um, more recently, just because it's fresh in my mind, um, Chris feeding CC lines or seeming to be feeding CC lines at the um, their caviar lunch in Paris was hilarious. I thought the tension was hilarious. I thought it was kind of chilling. So I enjoyed that. That was more recent to mine. So MJ, we got to uh, let my listeners know exactly what CC, who is um, Chris's cousin, mm-hmm. they were in Paris. MJ is talking about the finale episode and... It's funny you brought that up. So please um, inform my listeners of what you're talking about and what CC said to Chris that I was like, this is actually pretty badass, but continue. Yeah, so what I got out of the scene is Chris is really trying to, they're having a conversation about what it means for CC to be in Paris with the family. CeCe's always loved fashion. Now she gets to be front row uh, at a fas- at high fashion couture show. And Chris clearly has a narrative agenda in the scene. She's saying how wonderful that Kim can do so much. She does it all. And and she's even inviting you, Cece. She knows how much you wanted this. And Cece's not quite getting the message. She keeps going to like other things. Like, I've always loved fashion, so it means so much. And there's a moment where Chris kind of gives her like a like look, like just say the fucking line. Just say that it's like great that Kim did this. And I love that because it brought back that old keeping up with the Kardashians appeal power of like noticing when a really real moment got through the construct of the scene. But then Cece does come through, I think in an unpredicted, unforeseen way where she says, you did all of this to Chris. She says that they came to the top because of you. So she really acknowledges Chris's role as a momager. And I kind of felt, I don't know if I was overreading into it, that Chris was able to let go of her narrative agenda because she was getting her props. But it was it was an interesting moment. And Cece called Kim a superhero, which was relevant to me as a writer because I actually wrote a big piece about how Kim Kardashian is situated as a superhero um, archetype in culture right now. But it was, it was a, there was a lot, that scene packed a punch for me, for sure. Now, that is so funny. So I, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched that Thanksgiving evening because the finale aired on Thanksgiving night. And I 
rewound that moment twice because to your point, I was like, wait, what? Because it was, it was, I'm not going to say it was random, but it, it kind of like slid in there, right? Like mm-hmm. CeCe's compliment to Chris. So when CeCe said like, no, Chris, you're responsible for all of this. And I love you some Chris fucking Jenner. She was so humble in her reaction to it. Like, oh, Cece, darling. Like, oh, thank you. Which is why I always tell people, that's the career Kathy Hilton wants. Kathy mm. Hilton wants the career of Kris Jenner, a, 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 a suburban mom in California who made her family become so successful individually that as a collective, they are a billion-dollar empire. Yeah. And, th- and listen, that is something to be proud of, and that's something to celebrate. So I agree with you. That was a great moment. One of my favorite moments from season two that I watch constantly is when Kim and Chloe went to Miami. Yeah. Because I like moments that doesn't seem produced. And one thing yes. about the Kardashians, who I, again, I love them, a lot of their scenes can come off produced. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for one, hate the pranks because I feel like this isn't the fucking Brady Bunch. Like, like stop with the sitcom pranks. I'm over it. So going back to the Miami episode, Chloe has anxiety, as we know. She was like, uh, I'm going to go to Miami to celebrate um, Kim's business venture. They're in the hotel room. And Chloe is getting drunk with Malika, her best friend, and her other friends. And Kimberly Noel Kardashian is sitting next to her publicist on the couch with, with a laptop on her lap. And while a party was happening around her, Kim was selecting pictures that the paparazzi took so that she can improve them for release. Mm -hmm. And the best moment to me, MJ, was when they cut to Kim's interview. And Kim is looking off camera. So usually when you do a confessional, you're looking directly to the camera because you're talking to the audience. Kim is looking to her right. And she's clearly speaking to a producer, not understanding that, bitch, they're going to air this. Mm -hmm. And she says to the producer, no one knows how to, no, I'm sorry. Kim said, I don't trust anyone to tell me I look good. I know when I look good, Malika can look bad in a photo and I can look good, but I won't release that photo because um, Malika looks bad. And you guys can party because, bitch, you'll thank me later. <laughs> and I was like, that's the side of Kim that I love and I want to see more of because it was off script. It was real. And although it was a funny moment, it's, it's those little slice of life moments that I want to see more of from this cast. And what you just described is exactly why I think it's a reality show about a reality show. And the more it leans into giving us insight into that process in an authentic way, it's an authentic depiction of something that's super hyper-constructed. So it's an interesting collide of, of its attention. Um, and what I also think is interesting is when we see them break the fourth wall, that feels very penetrating and effective, which is what happens when we see her talking to a producer. And that's another example of, I think, my big takeaway from season two was that a lot of it was basically giving us BTS into how more casual, fast-moving media images 
came to be. Like the whole story of the Maryland dress, it was Kim on a red carpet. We got a whole behind the scenes, behind the scenes of images that we saw of Kim on a red carpet. That moment was basically a behind the scenes of a paparazzi picture we saw of Kim. Um, there's, there was a moment when Kravis, when Courtney and Travis go to Italy and we see them approaching this big, beautiful cathedral in Milan. And we think we're going to at least see them tour cathedral and have a historic experience in Italy. But all we saw of that experience was Courtney jumping into Travis's arms and taking a picture for Instagram. And I remember seeing that picture on Instagram. So if you think about it, if you really break it down, so many of these episodes are just the BTS of how an Instagram post was made. And that's really interesting to think about, that they were able to like expand and create meat and material for something that really you just pass by on the feed. So my question for you is this, MJ. How long do you think the family can last if this is all they're showing us? Because you've seen it, I've seen it, honey, Kim has seen it. People are saying the show is boring. And it's one of those things to where, and, and listen, as a reality TV executive, I always say this to, to my cast, you can't start out your first couple of seasons being super authentic, super transparent, and then all of a sudden you peel back and you say, I don't want to show that side of me anymore. You, you can't have that sort of push and pull relationship with the audience. The audience wants more of you. If anything, you can start off your first season or two if you're able to make it, um, being a little bit, you know, guarded and then show more in your later seasons, but you cannot do the reverse or you're going to lose your audience. We've seen that with some housewives. People have made comments about that to NeNe Leakes, that in the beginning of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, NeNe gave us issues with her sons and, you know, was so open about what was happening in her marriage. And then a lot of people felt that towards NeNe's latter seasons... We weren't able to get the real stuff from her, and a lot of people felt like they were missing out on it. So when it comes to the Kardashians, are they going to make it in the five years if they keep going down this same path? I think they're going to need things to kind of um, exploit, like, another Chloe cheating scandal, which I think is done. I, but I think they're going to have to make do with whatever may organically come up for them and figure out what to hone in on and and make the most of. So different sisters will probably take the fall and like kind of sacrificing their their person one personal thing maybe at the altar of the show for a season. Um they were made sure, I remember this, this was interesting to me too in the finale episode, to send us the message quite explicitly that they don't write this. Like, at the finale, like, the final, like, five minutes, Chloe says, you can't write this shit. And Chris says something like, I wish I could control it all, but I can't. They they wanted us to know that this isn't a completely fictional depiction of their lives, but I, I wonder if it's going to be enough for people to accept. I would also mention, just through a media theory lens, so... Also, our brains are quite literally adapting more to short-form content. We're getting more dopamine from the short stuff. TikTok has been very influential. So I think, and then and then TikTok dramas, cycles of Instagram influencer dramas are actually feeling more compelling, I think, to people because they feel more real and more immediate because we can identify with influencers and people on the internet a little bit better. So they have um, a lot to face off with, I think, with the influx of, of TikTok and obviously Instagram's old power. Um, my guess is, like I said, this is going to be a transitional chunk of time for them. And, and I think that's great. So as we, as we come to a close, going back to Kim's tweet that she tweeted on Thanksgiving, 
about what we would like to see season three. What would you like to see season three, MJ? Well, one thing I also want to say about that tweet really fast is the uh, the effect of it, the impact of it was also that it was super memed. And I don't think the Kardashians have had a good meme in a long time that felt really real where audiences were organically reacting to them and disseminating their messaging online. Like memes made Kim Kardashian. Making fun of Kim Kardashian on the feeds was a big part of producing her visibility and and engaging us with her. Um, And they went with that. And they tried really hard to be memed, I think, in the past few years, and it hasn't quite stuck. So that gave them a good meme run on the feeds again. Um, As far as what I would like to see... I mean, I think I think a lot of people would love to see uh, more exposure around this Balenciaga scandal. I think people would like to see conversation about the fallout of Astro World. Still, like the real truth of Kylie's probably complicated relationship with Travis Scott, Kim and Kanye's divorce. I mean, I, people will want to see those things. Um, what I think we're going to get, and what would probably serve my work, is a further use of reality TV conventions like breaking the fourth wall, like talking about how it's a reality show, like showing us how a reality show itself is made, perhaps more visibility of the producers. Um, that's what I think we're probably going to see more of. And I'm, I'm here for it because I sink my teeth into that with different, different French philosophy and stuff like that. Yeah, no. And, and listen, I think that's very smart. And, and listen, for me, as somebody who loves the show, loves a family And I, listen, I want to give the Kardashians their props. I know a lot of people hate on them. I know a lot of people have this sort of weird relationship, love or hate them with the Kardashians. I happen to be on the side of loving them. I have Malika Hawk on the show, who's a good friend of mine. She's great. I met Chloe, who's fantastic. I got a chance to meet Kim, who's who's a sweetheart. She's so sweet. I do think at some point, and one of my good friends, Kate Casey, who also has a podcast, she always says this, you have to leave on top. She talks about Derek Jeter. Um, She talks about other people who said, you know what? I need to leave on top. And as a family who did the unthinkable, which is created a billion-dollar brand, empire, if you will, Based off of being themselves, I think Kim Kardashian deserves a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I do think if you want to compare her to Melanie Monroe, I, I get it. You have to give Kris Jenner her props in terms of being probably the best momager in the entire universe. You have to give them that. But at the same time, as a family, you guys have so much money that my concern is I don't want the greed of the dollar bill to disseminate the brand. And yeah. that's going to be my concern. And as I reflect on the Kardashian seasons one and two, it really was an okay season um, on, on both ends. And my concern is if they carry on like that, is going to be the audience decision to leave them alone versus the other way around. Absolutely. And also with everything you were just saying, um, it 
reminded me, I think people would really like to see the kids, which is like a, you know, ethical question of how much the kids should be shown. Um, And there was one more thing you said there that was really interesting to me. Oh, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh That's a a prediction. That's a prediction. I think that um, we will have an episode where Kim gets the star. I think that they may have actually been consciously timing when they really make that application or whatever the process is to get the star. But we're going to see an episode about the process of finding out. I'm getting a star. How does the star work? How does it get made to put in the hands? And that's that's coming. It's on its way. And and look, that I want to see. And and I want to be clear. I I like the behind the scenes stuff. But again, we all fell in love because we saw the moment you were married for 72 days, Kim, and got a divorce from this guy. We saw you um, check Reggie Bush on cheating on you. We saw all these things. And I think at the end of the day, we wanted to see more with you and Pete Davidson. And we want to see how a woman who turned 40, looking as good as you do, is dating again and, and, and seeing those moments. So... Um, listen, the Kardashians, if you're listening, because I know you are, we love you, and we just want to see more, more, more. So, MJ, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Look, it's it's not every day you find somebody who is a connoisseur of the Kardashians, because I thought I was the only one. So it's <laughs> nice to know I'm not alone in my love for them. But <laughs> tell my listeners where they can find you, follow you, and support you. Kardashian underscore colloquium, but colloquium spelled with a K on Instagram and TikTok. And my name is MJ Corey. And so you can also find my columns for Vogue, where I recap the show um, on Vogue.com, search MJ Corey. And um, I have a big feature with The New Yorker where I talk about how uh, Kim is akin to an American superhero archetype. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I loved hearing you remind us all of the richer moments in the show's history because that really reminded me of it made me really think a lot about the power the show once had yes and we want that power back girl (laughs) well thank you mj and and i want to invite you back after we see the season premiere of three so that you and i can dissect that i would be honored thank you yay thank you Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag #RealityWithTheKing. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus Lee and Brandon Nix. Engineering and music by Marcus Hom. More sauce.